we've been in a series up till now that's, uh, that's been called Build Your Church. Um, and we acknowledge Matthew 16, verse 16 to 19, where Jesus is having a, dis- a conversation with his disciples. And he asked them, who do the world say that I am? Who do people say I am? And they have their opinions and their you know, perspectives that they share. And then he, he flips the, the script on them and he asks them, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, who is usually the one that either steps his foot into a huge truth or a huge mess, um, he gets it right this time by saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus acknowledges this truth by saying, Peter, nobody, nobody revealed this to you except my father who is in heaven. And this is a truth that I'm going to use to build my church. Note that I will build my church. And the gates of hell have no chance against it. We will break open those hell gates and take captive everybody or take and, and free everybody who has been taken captive by sin. But you're going to pray, you're going to play a, a pivotal part in this because you are Peter. And, and though I am Jesus, I am the rock. You are the little rock that's going to be built into my church, serving your purpose and so doing co-laboring with me in the building of this church that's going to take over the world. Jesus is building his capital C church, y'all, and it's a victorious church. I don't know about you, but my Savior wins. And if my Savior wins, I'll win. And, and I know there are notions out there. Look, look at me. There are notions out there that would say the opposite, that we're losing. We're not losing, y'all. The Christianity is still the largest growing religion on the planet earth and though the task is big we are progressing we are taking ground back and we will do so until jesus decides enough is enough and uh, he will come back for a victorious church that have withstood the test of time and we will receive the crown of life like it's promised in john 1 12 and 13 and so i want to encourage you do not hold back do not stand back for what's happening in the world we are the answer we are the solution in christ there is victory because he will build his church and 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 we're also praying at the same time that he builds this church the small churches the small or lowercase c churches and we know that when when the water level rises in the gulf it rises here too right and so we trust God that as his influence increases here, that it will increase in every church in our city. And we will be a region that honor and value and honor and respect the word of God, the values of God. And we lift that out um, in unity with one another. But we have to play our part. Amen. And we've been talking about what that means. How do we, how do you and I play our part in building, in participating in the building of the church of Christ? And we've talked about various aspects that we need to use as checkpoints. You could go and refer to them by uh, going to our OSC app, OSC Connect app. You can listen to some of the messages on there or our website. Last week, we started talking about building on values. Building on values. Every organization needs a rudder. And as much as the vision is our destination it's our goal it's our our everlasting pursuit what keeps us going in that direction are our values and so we spoke about our values because we need these fundamental beliefs to be a conviction in every person's heart if we are to build a culture that moves in the same direction with unity and therefore with power and influence 
And so we've been addressing these things. It's no use we address behaviors because behaviors are informed by values and values are upheld by beliefs. And so we need to take these beliefs and bury them deep into our hearts like foundational thoughts that are our opinions, no matter what the situation might say, that whether circumstances might change around us, we still hold to these very, very deep held, deeply held beliefs. Like when you encounter something that doesn't make sense, you prayed for, and it didn't go out, work out the way that you initially thought, knowing that God is a good God, not a vindictive God, not a God that um, is angry at us, and therefore is punishing us or getting back at us, knowing God is a good God, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like things working out isn't what we prayed for, helps us to still approach Him and trust Him no matter what the next situation is that presents. Because our deeply held belief tells us He is our solution. He is our strong tower. He is our safety. But so often we don't hold that as a fundamental belief. And circumstances come and they tell us, no, God is punishing you. Let me tell you today, he's not. He loves you and he's a good God. And he is going to step into whatever went wrong in your life and start working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And at the end of the day, his purposes will prevail in your life. But you have to hang on in faith. Because through faith and patience, you will inherit his promises. Because they've all been approved. In Christ, they've all been approved. There's no longer any approval process that needs to happen for you to ask God for what he had already promised. No, in Christ, they are already approved. The Bible says they are yes and amen. But through our agreement, they become materially relevant. They become reality to us. So don't let go of your, your faith, your confession of belief in the goodness of God. Um, though that is not one of our particular values, it is an undergirding value to everything we say. Um, last week we said that you know if you want to uh, know how to live, you 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 know you you need your values to tell you what you need to prioritize. Priorities are like the plans or the action steps that you take to make your values become reality. It's the spark that ignites the tinder. You can have your values, but unless you live them out, unless you practically start acting on them and living according to them, they don't like that fire. They don't put that rudder in the water that, 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 that provides the direction that you need to walk in. And so we've, we've put some of these values in the water last week, and we couldn't finish it because it's just so thick, so, many, so much to talk about. But we spoke about the honor of God, the honor of God. God's glory is our first and foremost and biggest value. For us, everything we exist for is the honor of God. We exist to make Him famous, y'all. We exist to glorify His name and His name first and foremost and only His name. And whatever He shares with us, that is just grace. And that is just favor. And we don't, we don't uh, um, demand it. We do enjoy it. We do thank Him for it. But it's, it doesn't become and it doesn't replace our motivation. Our deepest, deepest purpose and agenda, our desire is to see Jesus and Him glorified. The Bible says if you lift up the Son of God, He will draw all men to Himself. And our job as the church is to draw men to Jesus. To put Him up 
and to lift him up. Like when Israel was attacked and, the, uh, and they were sick and the snakes were biting them in the Old Testament, God gave Moses the plan that he needed to do and, 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 and that image he made on the post with the snake on it, it was a symbol of Jesus Christ. He lifted that up and people looked unto it and as they looked unto it, they were healed. The same way we lift Christ up to people and as they look unto Jesus, healing comes. And our job is to help people to lift up their eyes because people are so stuck in all the everyday life issues, troubles, heartaches. I saw a story last night of a woman who lost her child and the heartache embittered her so much that she became um, uh, psychologically ill because of it. And her life fell apart because of it. But she never had somebody tell her, look up, daughter, look up. Jesus is here for you to help you through this tragic event. I don't know if you know, but we just said goodbye last week to our father, OSC, uh, um, church father um, and founding pastor, Pastor Bubba McCann. He passed away amazingly last Sunday, just before church started. And we weren't aware of it. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, we went through, and right after, Miss Tracy's wife called us all and said to us, look, we didn't want you to, to experience the sadness right before you went into delivering a message of hope and life to your people. So we, uh, we spent our time with, with him, but um, we want you to know that he passed on. And I tell you what, if you haven't seen his um, celebration service on, on, online, oh my goodness. If you, if you want to see a life-changing uh, <laughs> service, uh, funeral service that have literally changed my life, um, you need to go and watch that because we broadcasted it for those who were out of town. And, you know, we have a lot of people living outside of our immediate environment that are involved in our church for them to be able to attend it as well. And it is there for you to go and just honor him with us and remember his lifestyle. And how apt for us to talk about the values of the church that he helped found. Um, in, in, <laughs> there's no way to, to, to honor him better than to continue his legacy, to continue what he started uh, in OSC. And uh, my wife and I have known him since 2006, even though we only moved to the States in 2018. Um, it has been an honor to know him and work with him and work alongside him and being one of his spiritual sons. And, and uh, let me tell you this, we're going to work like never before to see the dreams that God gave him come to pass because it's the calling of this house to see transformation in this region. Amen. Amen. So to honor God is our first value. The second one, because we honor God, we value and we, we prioritize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. About everybody needs to be centered around Christ. It's one of the most difficult things for uh, a free people to do is to let their freedom revolve around something else other than themselves. But it's the only way that we truly honor God is if our lives start centering around Jesus Christ and his mission. Um, and we spoke about what that meant, worship. And relationship with God is priorities for us to, to put in place if we're going to honor Him. And then the second value we shared was we build on truth. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how un politically incorrect it is, no matter how much it frustrates people and co confronts people's lifestyles or their decisions 
or their desires. We build on truth. And, and, and because we build on truth, we prioritize prayer and the word of God. That is our north star. It is our north. We don't deviate from scripture. The third value is people. And this is one that Pastor Bubba probably emulated the most. He loved people. <laughs> he just loved people. We, we all try to love people as much as he could. And, and by God's grace, everyone here will experience the love of Christ in this church. It's one of the testimonies of this church. People come here and they feel welcome because it's not just a saying we have, but it's truly our attitude. When you come in here, we welcome you home. We want this to be your home. We want you to experience love, uh, affection. We want you to experience um, acceptance, first and foremost. But we value people enough to see people not in their in their, in, their, in, their own, in their current state only. We love people enough to see them as Christ sees them. And so our heart and passion is to connect you in a relationship with Jesus. That you will follow Christ as we follow Christ. Our heart is also that we will connect with people who are lost, who are hurt, who are confused. And I encourage each and every one of you, if you don't know people that don't know Jesus, you need to expand your relational scope because people out there are hurting and they're lost and they're stuck in their hurt and their pain and they need somebody to tell them hey look up look up jesus wants to take you out of this and he wants to put you in life in a kingdom of life it requires relationship not just with us here in the church but with people outside of the church who need jesus and have never found him yet and today we're going to step into the fourth, fifth, and sixth value and, and conclude with this, this message on values. And first, I want to talk to you about the fourth value that is growth. Growth. We value growth. First, Second Peter 3 verse 18 says this, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We are, we are encouraged in so many places in Scripture to keep on growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at me, guys. God is a never-ending source of knowledge, but he's also an unending like individual to learn about to get to know more and more deeply and more intimately. In fact, when, when Moses uh, asked him, who shall I say send, is sending me to tell the mightiest ruler of the time to let all his slaves go, God didn't go into, you know, like, an, like, like a treatise of, you know, the Trinity and to try and explain to Moses, look, you know, this is how I work, this is why. All he said to Moses was, I am. I am. And what Moses re understood of that was like, look, as I am with him, I am will explain himself. I will get to know him as I walk with him. I will get to know him as I obey him. As I experience his presence, I will understand more and more who he is. Knowing God requires walking with him. I don't care how great a theologian you are. I am also a theologian aspiring. But I know this, that you cannot know that I am 
unless you are with him. Unless you walk with him, do with him. Unless you struggle through the questions of life with him. The discrepancies, the things you don't understand, the hurts, the hang, unless you process through those things with him, you cannot truly know and understand him. And when you have the Bible as a guide that reveals to us how he reacts to our situations, you have an amazing formula to really intimately getting to know God. Our value is growth, and, and, and the Bible calls on us to grow. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, and I just want to say this, that for a guy whose first language is not English, saying Thessalonians is a massive accomplishment. Thank you. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you will abstain from sexual immorality, but that's just the first in a list of things that he mentions. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. We know the difference between sanctification and justification is that in justification we are in an, a moment of faith and trust in Jesus, born again into a righteous nature. We're no longer sinners that are condemned to hell, but we are made, our nature is changed. The old thing is put aside and the new is instated and the new is called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sure, we're vessels of clay and we do make mistakes and we do still sin, but our nature are no longer defined by sin. Our nature is defined by the righteousness of God. And yet we do still have hangups and things that need to get sorted out. And as we walk with the I am, our sanctification process ensues. But it's the will of God that we be sanctified. In other words, it's the will of God that you progressively sin less. Being born again and then just staying in the same lifestyle you always were, it's not the will of God. Because the will of God is your sanctification. It's progress. It's growth. And so we value growth. Colossians 3 says this, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Setting our minds that are on the things above is looking excuse me, looking into scripture to see how is Christ, who is Christ, and, and, and like a mirror then see the reflection who we are. The Bible says it's in his light that we see light. And so it's as I look into scripture and I see Christ, it mirrors back to me now, you need to become like Christ. You have been made righteous like Christ but you need to be sanctified progressively. Your soul needs to be saved as much as your spirit was in the moment of justification. Your mindset, your opinions, your activity that is based on your habit thoughts, all of that needs to become in alignment with the truths of Scripture. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In any place of your life where you're not experiencing life, that area of your life is still hidden in Christ. And you need to go and search it out and apply it 
so that you might experience the life here. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what is earthly. And again, the list. Because we value growth, we also prioritize servant leadership. You don't grow as much as you will unless you start serving other people with your talents, with your time, with your care, your love, your attention. And so that's why we're so, so strong about becoming involved and serving. To the, to the degree that you come along for the journey is the degree to which you will grow in your life. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. People who serve are people who lay down something for the benefit of other people. We're a house who values growth. And so we're calling you to serve with us. Come and serve the people here with us. Come and serve the people in our community with us. As you serve, you will grow the most but also you will be able to build those relationships, make those connections with the people on the outside that you need to do in order, in order for your influence to go beyond just the four walls that we have around us here. This is what servant leaders do. We serve so, you're, so you have opportunity to encounter God. Can we, can we just honor our worship team here this morning? Can we give them a great encouraging... You guys coming and preparing during the week. And let me tell you, whenever you serve, there is a, a, a there, there, you know, these guys carry an extra load because they can't just come to Sundays and serve. They have to prepare. <laughs> they have to practice, be ready to come and serve. And so laying down your life so other people might step into a moment where they can express their love and their affection to Jesus. That's what it is about. It's giving other people an opportunity to experience God. I pray that we will be <laughs> a people where men will serve their families. Men, I want to encourage you. You need to lead your family in Bible study. You need to lead your family in prayer. Like we try for the best of the best of our ability once a week to have a family life group where I take the Bible and I take a, a guide of some sort that'll make sense to, you know, two to, well, almost like four, four to 11 year olds, sorry, four to 11 year olds. And I work with them through the Bible to teach them. And my wife helps remind me, hey, we have life group tonight. Don't arrange anything else over that time. And now and then I miss it. And, and then she gives me that look and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. We'll, we'll get back to it next week, I promise. And then next week we take the Bible again. And then every morning when we go to school, uh, we pray. As we drive, drive all the way to school, I have every, every one of them pray. It's just practical things. I teach them how to pray. And then they pray something silly and I say, hey, you know what? Jesus laughs at that too. But you know what? Before you start asking a whole lot of things, let's just start praising him again. Praising him first. I'm teaching them how to pray. Dads, I pray that you will be that, you'll have at least that desire to be there and to teach your children how to walk with God, how to build relationship with God. Wives, I pray that you will, you will be the super sub. If, if dad's not there, that you will continue what, 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 is, what is needed to start. And that you will help him remember when he's there to, to set him up for that win. So that families will serve Jesus together. If they don't know how to serve Jesus at home, this experience is almost foreign to them. 
And so don't make this the most spiritual experience that they have in the week. Let them every day experience you spiritually interacting with God and leading and guiding them and, in, and, and drawing them into that lifestyle of connecting with Jesus during the week. That's the way you can help your children grow spiritually. If you make spiritual connection with Jesus an everyday matter. <clears throat> I'm just going to say this. It's hard to compete with all the hours of the week they spend being influenced by everything else with just one hour of instruction in a children's church on Sunday. Faith comes by hearing and repeatedly hearing a message about Christ. And if they're, for the whole week they don't hear anything about Jesus and on Sunday they come, they go like, hmm, that's so different from what I'm used to. That must not be normal. I pray that families, you will teach your kids what is normal and that it's normal to walk with Jesus. It's normal to pray. It's normal to read the Bible. It's normal to have theological discussions at bedtime. It's normal to have discussions about things in the car as they drive and they see things happen. Don't make that foreign. Make what they see on YouTube foreign. Make what they see on Netflix or, or Disney or whatever. Make that foreign. When my kids see something that's off, they go like, mm, that's weird. I go, yes, you're right. That is weird. I know it's not weird for society, but I want them to think it's weird because it's other than Christian values. This is my norm. And I pray that this will be the norm for each and every one of us. That will require us to grow. That's the first time you take the Bible and you try to read it to your kids. It's going to be weird. You're not used to that. Why? Because that's not been your norm. But I'm encouraging you, accept that as your norm. This is what normal Christian families do. And you start leading in that way. Because we value uh, a growth, we value excellence. You know, excellence is simply doing the best with what you have at the time that you have it. It doesn't mean perfection. It means that you're putting everything that you can do into the process to make it in such a way that it'll serve people and it'll honor God. First Thessalonians 2 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We work day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. We truly try and do things in such a way that it's not something that burdens anybody, but it's, it's done in such a way that it's a blessing to everybody. We pursue excellence so we can fix our mistakes. And look at me, we make mistakes. We make mistakes and people get hurt. But we're willing to go there and fix it and do what it takes to, to make those relationships well again. So if anything ever happened that made you feel sad or made you feel hurt, you need to know that this is not a prideful place where we'll deny what happened or we'll try to push it under the rug. No, we'll address it and we'll go beyond it and we'll grow closer and stronger for it because we're going to fix it because our value is that we will grow 
even better together, grow more closely knit together. Growth is our value. And so if we need to improve something, we need to know of it so that we can grow and we will grow. We try to fix it so that we can cause as little as possible opportunity for disappointment, distraction, and offense. But sometimes some things slip through. But that's why we value excellence and why we value communication. It's so important. We value communication because it helps us to be excellent. And excellence helps us to grow. First application question here today is, what areas of your life have you grown in? That you can glorify God for and thank Him. And what areas of your life do you feel, man, this has been stagnant for so long. I've, I've not invested any in, in, into this area of my life. That you need to maybe start taking some steps toward prioritizing. The fifth value we talked about a while back is the value of generosity. And um, it's our privilege to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. And I want you to, I'm not going to talk about it today because we spent a whole good time talking about it in a sermon called It Takes Finances, where we shared our perspective on giving and tithing. And before you make assumptions, before you've listened to it, you can really not in any formal way understand um, what we shared during that message. You have to go and listen to that message because I almost guarantee you it's different from what you've heard before. Um, But it is one of our values. We're a generous people, and we want to thank you for being a generous church. This is a generous church. It's a free church. It's a church that gives because they love to give. It's not a church who are under obligation or a threat, and therefore they give. And you need to go and listen to that message to find out what all that is all about. I'm going to jump into the sixth value here today, which is a really, really important one. At OSC, we value the ministry of every believer. That's right. I'm not the only one in full-time ministry in this church. Every one of you are with me in full-time ministry. You signed up for it the day you said yes to Jesus. And my job is to empower you to be that minister wherever your career is taking you at this point. My job is to equip you with the knowledge and the know-how on how to effectively, how to (laughs) intentionally with excellence, with love and care and relationship, share your faith everywhere you go so that people won't be offended by it necessarily, but that they will know the truth and that they will have an opportunity to look up and see Jesus. There are hundreds, even thousands of people that don't step into any church ever. Guess what? You're their only contact with the church. While you're up there, doing your thing on the oil field or while you're, while you're in your back room there stocking your shelves or while you're teaching that class or while you're in that boardroom, they need to see Jesus because if they don't see it there, they won't see it anywhere. There is a ministry that every single one of you are called to do. The first one of those are, for sure, being representatives of Jesus Christ out there in the world. That's most definitely the calling on each and every one of us. But we've also been given unique abilities that Jesus needs us to use to bless his kingdom, to bless his church. In Romans 12, verse 5 to 8 says, For in one body we have many members, and, and, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, or if service in serving, and the one who teaches in his teaching ability, and then the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, so that the body may benefit. You have things inside of you that can be of benefit to those around you if you will step into your calling. If you'll understand that, hey, I've not just been given this to be successful. No, I've been given this to help build his church. Each and every one of us have been given a special ability to walk with and be a blessing to a couple of people around us. And the, the, the scope differs. The scale differs. Some are appointed to lead hundreds. Some are appointed to just reach out to one. But let me tell you this. If we each reach out to one, we'll make a massive difference. We value the ministry of all believers. And so, therefore, we have to equip you properly. And we cannot equip you properly unless we prioritize being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit on a regular basis. That's why we make such a fuss about it. John 16 says of the Holy Spirit that he will glorify Jesus. He will glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to elevate Christ. And therefore he wants to help you to elevate Christ. How and where can you elevate Christ more? Is there areas of your life where nobody even knows that Christ is involved? You need the Holy Spirit to know how to elevate Christ in those areas. When we said lordship and being centered around Jesus, this is what we meant. We meant that if he's not lord of everything in your life, he he is not lord. You're still lord and control and boss of some of the areas of your life. And he's just encouraging you to say, hey man, just let me have that. Let me change your identity. You don't have to hold on to that alter, uh, alter ego that you're so, so stuck to. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And that's all you need to think you are. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, that needs to be your highest, highest opinion of yourself. I'm a son of the most high God. How would I live when I am a son of the most high God in every situation? Let me tell you this. It'll definitely release you to ministry. It'll release you to love people with your gifts and your talents in the name of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit motivates and drives the mission of God. It's the Holy Spirit that motivates us to go out there and make disciples. Where where the mission have gone cold, the desire to fulfill the mission, where the desire to fulfill the mission have grown cold, the Holy Spirit have been ignored. Because where the Holy Spirit is active, A missional mindset is prevalent. It's his job 
to drive the mission. Mission exists because worship does not. In heaven, there is no mission because heaven is saturated with worship. But on earth, there needs to be mission because worship doesn't exist. And so you ask yourself, where's my mission? Wherever worship does not exist. The primary goal of the Holy Spirit is to activate people to glorify God. That means you as Christian to sing his praise and to honor his name through your lifestyle and through your words, but also for us to reach the non-believer who needs to get past his objections to saying yes to Christ, to submit his life and bow his heart and bow his knee to Jesus. That is the, the goal of the Holy Spirit is to activate us to prompt worship to start occurring. So he will be driving the mission in your heart. And that's why in Acts 1.8 we read, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes on us and he gives us the power to be witnesses. If your passion for seeing others saved and set free has waned, you need the Holy Spirit to guide you back into his truth. If you're scared about talking to Jesus to other people, talking about Jesus to other people, you need the Holy Spirit to give you boldness again. And if you feel inadequate to do so, you need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are what enables us to do things that before we would not be able to do. It's a power, it's an ability that is given by the Spirit of God. That is not of our own development. That we step out in faith and just trust that he would flow through us and that he would help us in so that we can adequately, truthfully declare the message of Christ to people out there. So my question to you is, have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And if not, then what are the objections that are still in your mind and heart to the third person of the Trinity becoming of the same hierarchy and authority in your life as God the Father and Jesus Christ. Because that's where he deserves to be. He deserves to be in the same level of authority in your life as you hold Christ and God the Father to be. Because he is no less God. He is fully 100% God as is Jesus and as is God the Father. And so I want to encourage you. This is a, a call for you to be serious about pursuing the baptism in the Holy Spirit if you've not been baptized with it. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before and, and, and you, haven't, you haven't interacted with the Holy Spirit for a while, when last did you ask Him to fill you afresh and to fill, refill you with that boldness and that passion and that mission to go out there and seek and save the same as Jesus did? Then this is the time for you to make priority the refilling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says He is the continuously infilling Spirit. In other words, He continuously fills us up, builds us up, and enables us to fulfill the mission of Christ. 
And lastly, I want to say that if it's going to be a culture, it's going to require all of us to pursue this to a degree. It's going to require each and every one of us to take steps of growth toward that. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's like, man, I don't know even where I need to start. And that's why you need people. That's why you need to connect with somebody and say, hey, well, well, what, what do I do next? You know, and, and, and start a relationship with somebody who is following Christ and then you follow them as they follow Christ. I really trust God that this will become our norm. You see, we can have strategy all day long, but like they always say, culture eats strategy for breakfast. If our culture is contrary to our strategy, what will prevail is the outcomes of our norms and standards. And so my appeal to each and every one of us are to, to take these timeless values, these undergirding beliefs that the church have been operating on for centuries, and to make that your personal convictions. This is how I ought to believe this is what I ought to have as my value system. And as I do that, as I start growing in that, we'll see a ground swell of influence rise up within our midst. A church that honors God everywhere, in our businesses, in our careers, in our lifestyles, in our leisure. A church that commits to truth no matter how inconvenient or, you know, it is for the times. A church that loves all people, that celebrates all people and invites all people in this journey of growth toward Jesus Christ. A church that grows consistently, gives generously, and literally empowers every believer for their ministry. If we will build this culture, guys, let me tell you this, we will change this area. There will be so <laughs> you know what I see? We often talk about, you know, I see a church and then we kind of like vision cast and like, I want to tell you all a bit about a community that I envision for us. Because unless the church becomes something that impacts our community and starts living a different standard and norm to our community, how will our community ever see that there's something different to aspire to? So I see a community where, you know, where serving Christ isn't just something that's done on Sundays where it becomes the norm to include Christ in every conversation, no matter where we are. His principles and values and his perspectives and his agendas, that that become company policy. That that becomes why we exist as companies, why we exist as businesses, why I follow certain career paths against other paths. That the call of Jesus Christ will be so central to our mindset that it becomes a norm. To need to know how is what I am doing furthering the kingdom of God, not just earning me a paycheck. I see a community where kids see both their parents serving God and teaching them how to serve God. I see, I see a community, guys, and hear my heart in this. I'm not, there's no judgment in this. But I see a community where both parents value presence over presence. And I understand the uniqueness of this, of this environment. And yet I also see that we lay down and we've accepted it. As that there's nothing we can do about it. It just is what it is. No, it's not just what it is. If our value system shifts, we will shift. 
And we will trust God and make changes. And we will seek opportunities and avenues to see a community where it's not the norm for parents to be not present in the lives of their children. I see a community where fathers are the spiritual leaders of their homes. And listen to me, as much as I value men's ministry, I love men's ministry. I love to get men together and do men things and just you know, celebrate the manliness about men. There's nothing wrong with that. And don't let anybody emasculate you for whatever reason. Christian men are not toxic men. Christian men are a balm, a healing balm to a society. Sorry, I missed my thought there for a second. Oh, the, 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 the men's ministry. But sometimes men going off on their own into men's ministry moments have actually not done families that great. Because somehow men in men's ministry started celebrating independence and, 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 and you know, adventure. And, and instead of being called to take responsibility at home, they were called to seek out moments of like, you know, adventure and, 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 and pursuit of personal passions and what makes you come alive. And, and they forgot that, hey, my goodness, I have kids back home. And to the point where men, men's ministry points men to their primary calling to be spiritual leaders in their homes, a men's ministry is validated by Scripture. But in any other form or way, men's ministry are actually just hurting the church. So we will do men's ministry things. But let me tell you this, fathers. We're not going to forget families. We're not going to forget our families. We're not going to go off and be all manly and manly and, and, and have fun and then neglect our spiritual leadership back home. What we do needs to translate back into fathers leading their families in spiritual journeys. I see a community where men and women are not competing with each other, but they complete one another based on both of their callings, not just based on one party's calling. These are high ideals, I know. But that's what we need to live for. It's something to aspire to. It's not something to give up on because this is what the values of Christianity will rebuild in a society if there is a group of people that can commit to it strong enough to form a tipping point to make that happen again. See a community where brownish, creamish, yellowish, Blackish, reddish, and any other conceivable color of a person can walk together in unity and diversity. It's such a norm in Crowley to have three cities in one. That does not please God. God wants us to create a community that values each other. Last week we spoke about that. God did not call us to be colorblind. Because if you're colorblind, you don't get to enjoy color. God called us to be a palette of color and to paint a more beautiful picture than the world has seen. To value and to be needed 
I see a community that hosts the best schools in this region. Boy, now we're quiet. (laughs) Let me tell you this. Where the kingdom of God goes, it brings back order. All we need is godly men and women who will say yes to bringing the kingdom of God back to our schools. Don't give up on our schools. Don't give up on our schools. You start speaking life over our schools. You start calling the right people into the right positions in our schools. And I believe that some of them are already there. And I hope to meet those people so that we as a church can come and undergird their efforts. Like right now we're doing at at Crowley Football. We're there to undergird a good man's vision to build a new culture in that school. Let me tell you, you pray for that man. And when, when it doesn't go all that great in the season, you tell him, coach, it's going to come back next week, next time. You're going to see this happen. I'm not talking about winning. I'm talking about a winning culture, a godly culture that he's trying to instill in those kids' lives. And we need more. I, I'm only one person. I have only so much time in a week, but we need more godly people that will stand up and say, hey, I'll go coach that team. Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll go spend time with those kids. I'll go tutor in that, in that after-school class to, to help with math or whatever. Let me tell you, if you've got time on your hands, we've got kids that need investment. And that comes from a mindset of the kingdom that says, if I step in with kingdom values, slowly but surely the kingdom will bring back order. One life at a time. One life at a time is all we need. We don't need fireworks. We need love. Practical love. see a community that thrives economically. Not because we're getting more from some outside situation, but because we're producing more and we're giving more. Let me tell you, there's been people who have been buying houses in this town and cleaning them up and renting them out again. I tell you, there's no greater manifestation of the kingdom of God on a physical environment then you cleaning up your property and you making it represent heaven as best as you can. Don't let anything that is yours not represent heaven as best as you can. Remember, excellence is not perfection. But it starts with us living clean. It starts with us picking up trash when we see it and it's our ability to be picking it up at that point. It starts with us taking responsibility to see this community reflect the heaven that we see Let me tell you this, you need to see a victorious church for you to even care. Because if you see a church that's going down, then why the heck bother? I don't see a church that loses. I've never been part of a losing team. Maybe that's because I've chosen my teams well. (laughs) But even when my teams have lost, Internally, we've always remained victorious and we've bounced back because my perspective is that of a winning king that's leading the charge that I'm involved in. I see a community in love with God and in love with building churches with him. If you can't see any of this, 
you really need a little bit more of these undergirding beliefs that we've been talking about. You really need to dig into Scripture and start seeing the kind of church that Jesus is building because this is the kind of church that he is building. And I want to challenge you. Faith is merely a word that you've put your trust in. It's a commitment from somebody that you've put your trust in. Go see how the kingdom of God operates in this world. Go see how it brings order to a class that is completely lost ability to be taught. God wants us to, to step out and to try his kingdom principles and see how they will make differences practically in our environments. But it doesn't come unless we actually take his promises and we start trusting them. We start stepping out on them. And that's it. Simple. It's not easy. (laughs) But it's not complex either. There's a simplicity in the gospel. That if we learn to walk it out, it produces the product that we desire for it to do. But if it remains a lip service, or if it remains something that is locked away in a particular experience on a particular day, we will not see that influence come to pass in our environment. So I'm dreaming of us being able to start more churches like ours in areas where they don't exist. And so we're going to grow. And we're going to change people one person at a time. And we're going to bring them to the house of God, clean them up, get them fruitful, lay their foundations, right? Include them in family. Get them healthy and activate them in their ministry. And that's how we're going to go. Little bit by little bit. And we're going to change this place for Jesus. Let's all stand. The things we spoke about are really like keys. The Lordship of Christ. Worshipping Him. Living the songs we sing. Building relationship with Him, not doing this out of obligation or religion. Spending time in the Bible and prayer. Building intentional relationships that are pointing toward Jesus. That's called discipleship. Serving each other with our gifts, our abilities. Giving from desire, not obligation. Tithing to honor, not to pay debt. Starting with what we have to support our local church first and then look to other good works. Focusing on building relationship with the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in His Spirit. And pursuing those spiritual gifts. And above all, to love each other. Father, we come in Your name and we ask that You make these things such a reality in our church that our norm will be indistinguishable from the kingdom's norms God I pray Father that we will not as a group submit to adhere to be led by the patterns of this world but that we will look into your perfect word and be transformed by it God 
And so we pray now, let your kingdom come in our church, God. Let your will be done here and in this community, God, as it is done in heaven. As you are obeyed in heaven, as you are followed in heaven, we pray that our church will obey you here on earth and will obey you here on earth so that you might be lifted up, God. You might be glorified through everything we do, Jesus. That people might see, man, those people really love God and they really love each other. And in so doing, know that we are your disciples and our lives are what they are because of your grace and your provision and your protection, not because of our own strength. And that that might draw people to you, Jesus. We pray that you will move on our church, God. Holy Spirit, we need you so much. We can't do this without you, Lord. We can't do this without you. So come, Holy Spirit. If you're out there and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, or you've grown weary in your walk with Jesus, right now, right here, He is present. He is I am. He is available. And He is desiring to meet with you. Let Him into your heart right now. Ask Him to come and fill you afresh. Fill you with His perspective. Fill you with His love and care. And look at me. As you pursue Him, the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. Your issues will get resolved. As you pursue Him and His righteousness, the things you need gets added to you. But you have to approach Him first. Draw near to Him. And He will draw near to you. Right there where you are right now, ask Him. Holy Spirit, come and transform my life. Come and fill me with your love. Fill me with your boldness again, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're experiencing any form of condemnation, just shake it off. It's not of God. There's no condemnation. If you're experiencing Him calling you and pointing things out to you, that's called conviction. He wants you to say yes to those things. Without fear, without guilt or shame, just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to start doing that. I'll follow you. Come and do what only you can do, God. We thank you in Jesus' name.